It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. This edition is made possible by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high quality mobility for all. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good afternoon, Fred. And we hope you're healing well. You've had a little procedure done that people might notice. Uh, you know, but whatever, the... you know. <laughs> they're trying to get me, but they're not gonna. <laughs> and with us today from GM is Super Cruise Assistant Program Engineering Manager, Jonathan Vitelli. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Fred. Thanks for having me on. Great to, to see you. Jonathan. It has been, uh, so. I think, five years since GM first released Super Cruise to the public on the 2018 Cadillac CT6. You've come quite a distance since then, literally. So give us the overview of what Super Cruise is today. Sure. So Super Cruise is the first true hands-free driving, uh, uh, automated driving technology um, that GM has launched uh, uh, and we'll be launching on 22 vehicles by the end of 23. What makes us truly hands-free, though, is our driver monitoring system and our LiDAR uh, precision maps. So the driver monitoring system allows us to uh, make sure that the driver is always engaged, but not requiring them to check in on the wheel with their hands. Um, so this really is what sets SuperCruise apart for some, from some of the other technologies that are out there. And you're, you've announced that Super Cruise is available now on certain models of the 2023 Chevy Tahoe, the Chevy Suburban, the Cadillac Escalade, and the GMC Yukon. And what you're saying is that this is going to work its way all the way down or pretty far down the lineup? That's correct. We really want to make sure that we get Super Cruise into more of our customers' hands. And by doing that, we're going to make it more you know, available on more vehicles. Um, so what's cool about these uh, vehicles that you highlighted are those are the first vehicles that will have our um, latest map expansion. So we'll be expanding from 200,000 to over 400,000 of uh, compatible roads, um, which is a huge feat. And this really expands Super Cruise uh, across the country. And the driver experience with this, the screen is going to tell the driver when they can let go of the wheel or how does this work? Right, so um, what you'll have is when Super Cruise is activated or turned on, so you wanna make sure your adaptive cruise is turned on. Um, <clears throat> and once you're on a, a Super Cruise uh, enabled roadway, um, you'll get a white icon on the dash that looks kind of like a steering wheel. Uh, once you see that white icon, you know you're on a Super Cruise enabled road um, and then you're able to engage the system. So when you press the button to engage, um, if your adaptive cruise control isn't already set, it'll set at the current speed, you'll get a green um, or maybe blue bar to start once you're in control of the vehicle. And then it'll turn to green once the system is taken over and you can let go of the wheel. Uh, and then we indicate to the driver the state of the system by different colors on the steering wheel. So the blue is an override state where the driver um, has taken control of the wheel to either change lanes or what may um, have you, any, any scenario like that. Green means the system is active. And then red means that the driver needs to regain control uh, of the vehicle. Alan, I know you've got plenty of questions here. Come on and jump in. Yeah, well, I, I have some detail. I, I always thought that the, your implementation of the, um, 
the lighting on top of the steering wheel was a very good one because that is really within the field of view. Sometimes where these icons appear down there, it requires you to really uh, look down even farther. I'm, I'm sort of surprised you don't just use that thing for almost everything when it's available, when it's not available and so on and so forth. Um, what, what, what led you to put in a different icon as opposed to just using that one? Can you give us a little hint on that? Well, I, I think we really wanted to make sure that the driver was always aware of the state of the system. So we really wanted to make sure that, you know, it wasn't something that could be missed. Like you mentioned, one of the icons on the IPC or one of those yeah. things. So we always wanted to make sure that, you know, the driver knew when the system was operating properly or when the driver needed to regain control of the vehicle uh, for any reason. So that, there's a lot of uh, you know other details behind it that you know, I'm not going to get into here, but that's really the main reason for that. Yeah, and that's that's really why that the, the highlighting on that. If if I could ask you maybe another question, um, uh, everybody talks about hands free. Uh, why don't they talk about feet free? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I I don't know. That's a that's a very good point. You, <laughs> As somebody that because because to me what they really do is allow you to be feet free, okay. I mean you know the the key the key thing that it does is it maintains your speed, uh, mm -hmm. controls the accelerator and the brake, which is your mm -hmm. feet, not your hands, okay. <laughs> and, and yeah yeah and and the hands, I don't know you know it depends which philosophy you want to use to do the collision avoidance stuff you know turning the steering wheel is not really necessarily a good idea uh, why because you can flip the car uh, hitting the brake is absolutely you many times a very good idea and it, again it has to do with the feet and so maybe this is just my issue with with the whole marketing of some of these things um um uh what I like about the system that I have is that is that I don't have to sit there and watch the watch the speedometer to not get mm -hmm. a ticket, and I don't have to mm -hmm. sit there and play with my feet or you know use the, the common driving method, which is uh, you know constant uh, depression of the accelerator. So when you're on the Pennsylvania Turnpike going up and you know which is which is which does all kinds of things for, for um, sustainability, uh, um, uh, uh, flow of vehicles, and never meant, uh, maybe that's too much to put out there to the general public and we shouldn't talk about it. But, right. but I, I think the reason why I mention it is because you guys have done a really fantastic job of, of course, with this original system, doing the eye tracker to make sure people are paying attention because you have to pay attention with these things. And if they don't, if they don't, I, I tell my students that, that you actually move the car over the side of the road and then you tell the, you put a dunce cap on the person and you say <laughs> you won't let them turn it back on until they get a, get a note from their mother saying they'll behave or something. I mean, uh, I suggest... I'd suggest you do that, but you probably, anyway, with it, people should not be misbehaving and using these things is the key. And one of the things that they do is keep you from misbehaving because it keep you from running up and, and, and tailgating me and, right. um, and, and, you know, fundamentally doing that and doing it well. And it's nice to see that you put it out um, to more vehicles. 
how successful has it been in the marketplace? Can can you shed any light on that? I mean, if, what's been the, what's been the real reaction on the CT six? It yeah. seemed to me from the outside that it took you a while <coughs> to roll it out to the to the other to the other cars. Um, when I think, at least on the technical side, everybody was saying including me, it is a really good system. So can you shed any light? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we've been analyzing the customer feedback since the system has been in the field for a few years now. And really the consensus is, you know, a lot of people ask, well, what's the point if I still have to stay engaged, you know, what is really the advantage? But a lot of people say that, you know, the strain of driving is really removed from that. And that's something that I can attest to when I you know, my parents live six hours away from me. So any chance that I have to drive a super cruise vehicle to, you know, use one of those to go see them, it's awesome because I can hop in on a Friday night, you know, after work where you're already stressed out and then drive all the way up there and almost feel re-energized. So that's been the feedback that, you know, we've gotten from customers and that I can say personally, I felt. Um, But then also we've done a little, you know, bit more digging and we found that our customers, you know, really when they're going to buy their next vehicle, um, many of them say that they wouldn't consider another vehicle without Super Cruise on it. So that's really great there. I think once more customers experience it, they're realizing the advantage of, you know, this driver assistance technology. Well, I, I certainly can concur on that because in, in, in my use of it, it is, it really does. It, it, it reduces the stress enormously. It doesn't put you to sleep. Right. It doesn't, doesn't do that. And I actually like the fact that it leads me around a, a turn, even if I leave my hands on the wheel. And, and you know, and that, I don't think it's making me lazy. At least, at least I, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that while, right. while, while in these cars, is, if that's what it's doing to me. Uh, but, but it's not. And, and in terms of, to me, it seems an absolute necessity. I, I sort of like cruise control, stupid, I call it stupid cruise control that only affected the accelerator and, and not the brake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then putting the brake onto it and then putting all the other things that you put on top of it, along with the, the, the lane centering, uh, really, um, really makes driving a heck of a lot easier yeah is, is that com- what it's about uh, more more about the comfort than than the safety aspect how do you see it jonathan yeah absolutely so you know from our perspective this is a driver assistance technology um so we want to you know make the driver more comfortable um you know super cruise we don't do not market as a safety feature it's purely driver assistance but are, are you leaving something on the table? I'm wondering if you really collect the data of, um, you know, crashes of Cadillacs with and without in the same locations, under the same conditions and so on, or over the same stretches of, of highway. And I don't know, you, maybe we, we don't, haven't accumulated enough of that. There's got to be a safety improvement on this simply because you're not running up in onto people. I mean, just that piece of it and the lane centering where you where you engage that it works. I mean, right. that's why it turns red, you know, where where you don't have, where, where you know it doesn't work. Right. right. So it, it's got to have safety implications on that. Now, you, you think maybe the misuse kind of overwhelms that? I mean, 
Yeah, what, 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 what have you learned like, about yeah. the? Yeah, what I don't you know what you can about share that? about yeah. driver behavior. Yeah, um, you know that's something that <clears throat> we're definitely looking at, and we're collecting the data, and you know trying to understand that. But I think right now, you know, our stance is that this is purely a driver assistance technology. But it is, you know, we would be foolish not to look into that information to see if we are um, doing anything to, you know, prevent crashes. But um, right now, this is really just a driver assistance technology. Um, but but it's data that we are looking yeah. into. Yeah, well, it's good that you're you're promoting it that way and not overstating it with respect right. to the safety. And of course, you know, some of us, I know you won't say, but I'll say safety doesn't sell. Otherwise, everybody would be driving Volvos for the last 25 years. But never mind. I mean, that's sort of a, you know, one liner that, that I use. Uh, it entertains the students or something like that. <laughs> it's about but that. You, you do know how often this has, system has had to... I, I guess for want of a better word, disengage, tell people you're, you're not, you're not behaving well and it's turning off. Right. Well, there's, there's a multitude of reasons why the system would disengage. You know, you're coming up to um, <clears throat> a traffic light on one of the roads that, you know, turns from a highway into, um, you know, more of a surface street. So um, there's not a correlation just between engagements, disengagements and driver misbehavior, uh, but it is something that we can, you know, if we look deep into the data, we can make those correlations, um, but it's not something that, you know, uh, we, we see a, a lot of. If, um, well, uh, you know, our view on this is that you shouldn't tolerate the, any driver misbehavior on this. And, uh, and, and as I'd like to sort of uh, put on the lighter tone, you know, really as, as for a note from their mother, if they misbehave before you allowed to turn back on, I mean, you know, this, these systems cannot be thought of as, Hey, I can hop in the back seat or hop over there or do any of those cute things that people make a TikTok video on and who knows exactly. what, I mean, I mean, that's crazy stuff. Yep. And, and, yep. and, and, you know, we should, none of that should be tolerated. I mean, absolutely none of that. What are the biggest challenges, uh, Jonathan, that you and, and your team there have been able to tackle and, and the ones still facing you? What are the what are the biggest nuts to crack, do you think? Um, you know, since our, our system has been out there, um, you know, I, I think it's been working very well. I think um, some of the things providing some of these enhancements to the system, you know, we're always working to develop the system and make, you know, um, things more available to the driver. So things like, you know, we saw what was the next need after we launched Super Cruise. So then we started looking at things like lane change on demand and automatic lane change. So this is now, um, Alan, like you were mentioning the <clears throat> up and down of the speed. Well, if you're following a vehicle that is going much slower than you'd like, we will automatically change lanes when it's available uh, if you have that version of Super Cruise. So we're just looking at, you know, where can we go next with this technology to give our, our customers, you know, a better driving experience. Um, uh, I, I think that's really, really the, the biggest thing that we're working on. Does it lead to in, incrementally to eventually uh, not to, to a, a real self-driving kind of vehicle? Is that what the goal is here to some extent? Um, not with Super Cruise per se. We, we definitely know the limitations of that system. Um, and, you know, I think you may have seen in the news, uh, which I wish I could talk about more, but I don't have a lot of experience with Ultra Cruise. So that's our next, our next step where we're 
um, you know, going to be operating in 95% of scenarios. And then, of course, we know what Cruise is working on in San Francisco, um, you know, with some of those self-driving taxis and those things. So, um, you know, I, I definitely think they're building blocks, but they are separate systems. Um, you know, we never want to claim that Super Cruise is going to do anything more than what it was designed to do, um, which is, you know, very specific scenarios where the system can operate. Well, I, I... For whatever it matters, I personally want to applaud you for doing that and not trying to blend the whole thing in and try to whatever. And because because all that does is, is leads to, to misbehavior in, in the use of the system. And it won't be misbehavior by many. It'll be misbehavior by a few, but a few misbehaving ruin it, ruin it for everybody. And, and so, I mean, you... you and then I think that that's one of the things you've done really well with the whole super cruise. I wish you would have rolled it out to more models quicker. And, you know, you CT, you know, CT6 with, I mean, there are just a few of them out there, but, it, but now you are doing that. And, and mm -hmm. I, I think uh, it's a, it's an enormous improvement in, in, in the, the uh, value of, of the of the vehicle and trying to get from A to B and 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 leave it at that uh, because there's enormous benefit and I think you'll be very happy on a corporate wise basis because people will will are coming into the showrooms and saying I want this stuff and, and the car dealers I think are saying hey thanks for putting it on there. What goes into the determination of uh, which roads this is available on? Because you're growing it now to 400,000 miles of roads? Yeah, over 400,000 miles. Um, so there's, there's definitely a lot of consideration. Um, basically, um, we're started on mainly interstates, divided highways, closed access freeways. And now we have moved to more non-divided roads. So more of the rural um, you know, highways that you'll see. So there's many highways um, <clears throat> that are available, um, you know, uh, to use the system on now. So not how, just- how, how, how do you grow it? How do you determine, okay, this road is going to get added now? What, what are you looking at? Uh, so there's many factors involved in that. And I, um, you know, don't know all the ins and outs, but I, I will say that, you know, this is part of, uh, you know, of curvatures of the road, the, um, you know, the amount of, um, traffic lights uh, that are on that road as well, um, because the system, you know, doesn't go through intersections. Um, we, uh, you know, hand back control to the driver. So we don't want, we want to make sure that the driver isn't, you know, that we're just keep handing the system back. So we're trying to be smart about what roads we open this up on. So more of the rule, um, you know, where, where we have um, uh, better, um, you know, availability of the system. Uh, so that's really kind of the, the main things that go into it. And then, um, you know, where we can do the LIDAR scanning of the roads. So a uh, question that I don't maybe I should know the answer to this. To, to uh, what extent have you um, uh, sort of rolled this in with, um, with basically the, uh, um, uh, the system that, that communicates with the driver and allows the driver to report uh, crashes and so on? Yeah, so you're referring to the OnStar system? To the OnStar system. Right, or yeah. do you have thoughts of integrating it with OnStar? Does this fit with OnStar? <clears throat> to me, it would it. seem like it would fit with OnStar. But no, uh, we, we are definitely absolutely integrated. And this is what we were talking about, what you were mentioning earlier, Alan, the, the note home to mom. 
Um, not that that's what OnStar is, but if you let the system escalate, so we have different escalations once the, we realize the driver is not engaged. So um, those three escalations, once you get to the third escalation, that's when we're stopping the vehicle. And then we're making that call to OnStar because we think something is wrong. We want to make sure that the driver is not incapacitated or anything like that. And if they are, we're calling OnStar to get them the help that they need. Um, so, yeah, so to what extent are you using OnStar to, to understand how people are using it? Or do you think that's an invasion of privacy or that's too yeah. much? Uh, I mean, th there's there's a difficulty here because you don't want to engage in, invade privacy. You, you don't. But but your customers, it'd be it'd be nice to be able to establish a relationship with them. I, I found that, you know, I had a company for whatever. I've I found that the, that the customers wanted to help. Uh, maybe not all of them, but a substantial number of them want to help. They like the systems and they they want to they'd like to help. And and to what extent you're looking to engage the customers and helping you improve this? And so. As for, you know, the data that we are, um, you know, that we collect from customers, it's, it's everything that we explain in the terms and conditions sure, when they're signing course. up for, for OnStar. Mm -hmm. um, so, so there is some information we collect to make sure that our system is operating safely and that, you know, there's things that uh, we can do to improve the system uh, based on that data. So it's, it's definitely, um, you know, something that <clears throat> we, we want to make sure that it's not an invasion of privacy or of anything course. like that, collecting of images or anything crazy. Right. Um, we want to make sure that it's it's a it's a relationship that you know we want to make sure that the system's operating as intended and that we can make the improvements that um, you know are available. Well, it just seems from the outside, you know, that that integrating those two a little bit to to take advantage of those and and help those who who want to help um, is is a way to understand and and make this better. I mean. Part of the challenge in all of this is that you know we don't know what we don't know, and and um, and sitting there trying to guess about it, you know, has its challenges. I mean, we all try to do the best job we can, but but all that can be very very uh, helpful, and um, and as a you know complete opt in sort of thing and and upfront and not written in very real fine print, but out there having <laughs> both you and your customer understand what the relationship here is and it can be can right. be helpful to both of you and going forward and at least that's 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 the way i found found those things to be, to be you know i'm only one data point here so you know whatever jonathan if i'm a driver uh, and have this engaged and i pick up my phone and and look at the phone start to text mm -hmm. What happens? What am, what's going to happen? Right. <clears throat> so, yeah, if our driver monitoring system detects that your gaze is going away for too long, you know, at your phone, like you mentioned, we'll flash the red, the bar that Alan was mentioning, we'll flash the red light bar um, with the red indication to say, hey, we realize that your gaze is not on the road, you know, take back control of the vehicle and, um, or, or, you know, fix your gaze back on the, on the road. And then you can continue to use super cruise. So we don't disengage right away. But if we do detect that the driver's still looking away at their phone while we're um, flashing those red lights, we'll do a secondary alert, which um, buzzes the seat and disengages the system, buzzes the seat or a, um, a voice or a, uh, a beep will come on. And then that'll let them know, hey, the driver know 
Um, you know, we're disengaging the system. You need to regain control because you were not paying attention um, for an extended period of time. And then when they go to re-engage the system, you know, we let them know on the message, you know, that's why the system disengaged. So hopefully they correct that action. They don't continue to do those types of things that aren't, um, you know, necessarily safe for the operation. And I would have to turn the car off and then back on for, for me be, to be able to use it or what's the process? No, no. So after the first, um, first alert, we let the driver go back to normal operation, but if they continue to do it, then you will be locked out of super cruise for an extended period of time. Kind of like Alan was mentioning that note from mommy. <laughs> I love it. I, I mean, yeah. I love it. Well, I mean, it's, uh, what are you going to do? I mean, my goodness, this is not just endangering the person and the misuse. They're endangering us because they might hit us. I mean, come on, cut it out there. There's, there's really way too much, uh, you know, misbehavior going on the roadway done by very few people, but, that's the problem when we're, when we're all behaving and we're all driving, you know, whatever, we're really good. We really don't crash your cars that you don't lose the wheel and all of a sudden go off the road. I mean, you know, these things are really good things. But when we go off the rails, whoo, and I, I love it. I love it. Do it more. I mean, you know. Well, we, we, we want to congratulate you and, yeah. and the team there and General Motors for, for the innovations and the responsible way that you're bringing them to market. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, the smart deployment is something that we really pride ourselves on. Yeah, you, you should because you we're really have done it well and you've done it well in the whole process and congratulations for keeping it going and congratulations for everybody else in General Motors realizing that it should be on some more cars and of course to the dealers who are, I guess are selling it or saying hey put it on more cars because we'll sell more cars I mean everybody's happy about this so congratulations on it yeah thank you very much yeah, where should people like, turn to for more info Jonathan um yeah if you can check out the brand website so cadillac.com chevrolet.com and gmc.com um, there's a whole section on Super Cruise for each of those brands, um, you know, and it'll tell you exactly which models uh, it'll be available on coming up. Um, and then if there's any more models that will be available, uh, it'll be posted there as well. It's going to go on the Corvette. <laughs> I guess you can't say, huh? <laughs> I don't know. Why not? I mean, what do you think? Corvette <laughs> drivers don't need a little help. I mean, what? come on, cut it out. <laughs> You can we're, we're think always, about it, we're huh? Always, <laughs> we're always, always looking to expand our systems. That's all. No, yeah, I mean, it'd be great in a Corvette. I mean, you can always turn it off and not use it. I mean, but every once in a while, don't you want to cruise in one of those things and just relax? <laughs> anyway. Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Vitale, thank you so much for spending time with us. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yep, it was a pleasure. Thank you for, for the time. Thank you very much. Alan turning to some headlines with election day in the rear view mirror. There are hopes to move ahead with the moves project in Trenton now. Uh, yes. I mean, um, uh, we have, I, I would say all of our ducks in line. We had most of our ducks in line, which is the truth. Uh, we've had the mayor certainly been the enthusiastic supporter. Um, uh, we needed a little bit of help with respect to, 
town council. And I think we got that in the election. Uh, the mayor was reelected by a, an enormous margin. Uh, so we have him reelected. Uh, we have uh, we have town council now. We um, we should be ready to rock and roll and um, and get the project moving. Uh, we've done a lot of planning. It's not that we've been sitting on our hands. We've done a lot of community engagement. We've continued to uh, to uh, put together um, all the um, stakeholders um, to um, at least make this a success. Uh, what we, of course, need is a technology company who says, uh, yes, um, maybe we want to take advantage or try to take advantage of the affordability of this mobility option and bring it to provide the uh, safe, equitable, affordable, sustainable, high quality mobility uh, to Trentonians as a start to bringing it out throughout New Mercer County and then uh, replicating it throughout New Jersey. And, and I was talking just a few minutes ago to Jeff Brandis, who's putting together the uh, Florida AV conference on uh, on the 14th through the 16th of December, and uh, we'll be talking it up in Florida also. Um, so a, a lot going on. And uh, for those who aren't aware, this is a project that eventually will provide uh, driverless mobility, make it affordable. Well, that's that's the, the that's the objective. If if, uh, if if it requires a driver, we've already had it that mobility for you know hundred years, and it's done what it could do. Uh, the the real opportunity with driverless is that uh, at least it makes a certain kind of mobility very affordable uh, because only a certain number of people can afford to pay a chauffeur, a driver, even if they are um, uh, for mover and lift. Uh, it, the labor portion of providing mobility is expensive uh, when somebody is taking you from A to B and you have to pay them. But in fact, that's not the real expense of the labor. Uh, if you look at the, at the way we use our own cars for which we don't charge ourselves for the high quality mobility that those cars provide because we drive them ourselves and as far as we're concerned with that, we're free. It doesn't cost us anything. But when somebody has to do it for us, uh, maybe there are a few who are willing to do it for free. <laughs> not, not very often. Uh, they deserve to be paid. It's work. It's real work. And they deserve to earn a living wage. But it's not just the time when you're going from A to B. It's the time those folks are waiting around until you're ready to go. And when you finally get to B, the time that they're waiting around to either take somebody else or to take you back home. So it turns out that the waiting around times, which they deserve to be paid, is really substantial. 
Now you can say, well, the system can be so efficient that somebody's ready to go when somebody else is ready to go and everything is, and it perfectly fits in. Unfortunately, that's not the way transportation works. One of the very interesting thing about, things about transportation is its demand throughout the day goes up and down. If it was just flat across, if everybody was just going between two places, trivial, absolutely trivial. And you can make it extremely inexpensive. And you can put everybody in a bus. And the bus driver can just be driving everybody back and forth. And the amount that anybody would have to put into the hat so that the bus driver has a good life and can feed his or her family, not very much. But that's not the way we live. Now, some, you know, futurists might say, hey, that's the way we should live. Let's put ourselves all in a nice linear city across Saudi Arabia, you know, and just have some waves and back and forth. Great. But that thing's going to have to stop. Even that linear city isn't really good. Because not everybody's going between the two endpoints. They're going to da-da-da-da-da-da. So that doesn't even work. Now, when you look at a spatially distributed city, town, county, you name it, that's not two-dimensional. You require a network-type solution, not a linear solution. And that network-type solution, at times, is heavily utilized. Other times, it's nobody's showing up. That's what it has to serve. That's what makes it challenging. That's why, in the end, we've all went out, gone out, and those of us that could afford it, gone out and bought our own cars and made it inexpensive. How? By not paying ourselves for when we drive it or when we wait for it. At least perceptually, it's very inexpensive to us. And we can let it sit and wait for us. They've given us so much deals at, you know, zero, 2% interest rates. Who knows what? Stretch it out for eight years. What do they do? Da, 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 da. So that we can just let it sit around like a little puppy dog, as I like to say, and wait. <laughs> and wait. And it not get us all upset. Not saying, hey, neighbor, can you use my car now? Well, no, they want to go same time I want to go. They don't want to use my car. They want to use it when I want to use it. <laughs> Doesn't work. That's what makes this all so challenging. But all of a sudden, the magic is if we're not going to have this thing do the driving, and we can make as many of those things as we make of these things, and it's all Moore's law-ish with skill. This thing ends up costing almost nothing. 
That's why my phone can sit around. I mean, how many calls do I make on my phone during the day? Rest of the time, it sits around and waits for me. Please use me. And they've made this so darn inexpensive that I've decided to buy it. At least because I can afford it. Some people, not so much. It is expensive to them. So we have to make it even cheaper. But that's the, that's the challenge and that's the opportunity we have and that's what we wanna be able to demonstrate in Trenton, to have vehicles sitting around waiting for them to be used in strategic locations, easily for people to get to. Again, just the way we've ended up using elevators in tall buildings. Except now we have a network problem, not a linear problem. Therefore, they have to go between between here and here and here and here and here and here and here. But no problem writing the code to do that. That's what we want to demonstrate. A lot to look forward to. With a lot that. to look forward to. Moving on, other headlines. LiDAR makers Ouster and Velodyne have agreed to merge. And I guess uh, right now the economy is not so great for a lot of uh, these companies out there. And they're looking to make deals. Well, yeah, I think that, you know, there's some consolidation out there, some advances this way, that way, merge it together and, and bring those advances together, um, you know, and, um, and LIDAR manufacturers have been hoping that, you know, all the cars that we buy at the car dealers will have LIDAR on them, I, maybe, um, um, maybe. Um, and, you know, the advances in, in cameras and image processing, I don't know, uh, you know, um, I don't know, I don't know whether or not we need LIDAR. But it's not, bad, it's not bad to have competing technologies. Absolutely not. And it's good to have them out there. And maybe they can put all that stuff together and, and they will become very inexpensive and so on and so forth. And, and yes, absolutely. Um, one does not want to have just one trick in, in one's bag. One would like to have a couple of them. Um, and, you know, there are various people on various uh, sides of that. Uh, certainly the LIDAR is usable in a lot of places. And so there is a market for them. And it's good and, and happy for them to get together. And they're, they're two of the, the really good ones out there. And, and uh, uh, wish them all the best. The Verge has run a piece headlined Waymo's Driverless Taxis keep making incremental progress while others flounder. Yes, they are making incremental progress. Uh, the question is, is there's been such so much investment in all this technology, incremental progress um, may or may not do it. Um, uh, they can stay alive for, for, for a while, while longer. Um, others, you know, um, uh, need, uh, need to either scale way back such that incremental progress um, delivers the revenue so that you can stay alive uh, and uh, with incremental amounts, incremental amounts of revenue, um, 
others, um, um, others as we saw with Ford Argo, decide to time to throw in the Ford Argo, Argo.ai, invested in by Ford and VW, decided to throw in the towel early. And uh, as you've talked about before, there is an opportunity to really use the technology to change things dramatically. Yeah, I think, you know, as, as, as was mentioned by Ford, you know, there's still the opportunity for this technology to substantially improve what we've been calling safe driving cars which is to put technology in the cars to basically uh, watch out. And in case we do the wrong thing, take over the operation of the car and do the right thing. I mean, that's what our analog brakes do for us. I push the pedal too hard, it applies it properly so that I don't, so that I deal with the, the coefficient of static friction rather than the coefficient of sliding friction. And therefore, I can maintain control of the, the, the car better. Similarly, with, with, um, with uh, electronic stability control, you know, I lose, go around a turn too fast and start losing my rear end. It takes, it senses, it, it takes over. It keeps me from spinning out. You know, these are technologies that are basically running all the time in cars. Most of the time, they have nothing to do because we're not doing anything wrong. And once we start doing something wrong, they jump in and say, Fred, move out of the way. I can do this for you. They don't say that. They just do it. We need more of that. We need more of that. I, you know, I, I, we talked last time about, you know, the, the wonderful simulations that, that Waymo has done with their simulations of the operation, their, their, their driverless car, uh, the Waymo driver, in which because it has 360 vision and LIDAR, it could sense the approach of a, of a car going 107 miles an hour. And anticipate that it's gonna run the red light. And instead of continuing its unprotected left turn, just hit the brakes a little bit and let the car zoom by. That thing should be in my car all the time. In case as I'm turning left, I'm not looking over here, but it is. Why not, you know, put that technology in the cars that we buy. More of that. Why do the cars that we buy allow us, allow me to tailgate that close? Shouldn't allow it. Back off, Alan, you're too close. And it shouldn't also allow somebody else to because the gap now between me and the, the guy or gal in front of me is too great. Cut in front of me. Well, as you said before, that. Alan, the technology is there to do so much of that today. Absolutely. It can do it. And it can be brought into, into these systems. And I think we'd be much, we'd all be much happier, I think. And it seems like, you know, the car dealers will sell it. 
and customers will buy it. So let's get that out of it. For those of us that go out and continue to buy cars because we can afford it. Moving on uh, from the Smart Driving Cars newsletter, there's a, a new CEO at Too Simple after the old boss was fired following a probe into ties to a Chinese firm. Yeah, well, um, what can one say? Yes, okay. I mean, I, I don't want to, I guess I'd rather not comment. In Too Simple uh, has a challenge. I think they're trying to set up a logistics network so that they, have some opportunity for revenue short of being able to put driverless trucks out there. But if we're having our challenges, our easy go to putting driverless cars in some cities and, and some urban neighborhoods, uh, putting driverless trucks on our freeways, maybe it's okay out there on Interstate 80 in the middle of nowhere or on, you know, some middle of nowhere Texas interstates, maybe. Uh, New Jersey Turnpike? I don't know. I don't know. And, and finally, Alan, uh, Tesla and Zoom have announced that the video conferencing app will be coming to Tesla vehicles. My assumption is only while parked, uh, very much like the other entertainment functions and, and games in a Tesla. Yeah, I, uh, they should say that explicitly. It has to be that way. It has to be. I mean, they're, 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 they're not that stupid, okay? And you can put a lot of things in a Tesla. I mean, you can make it into your entertainment center, your living room, your whatever. You, you can camp in it, apparently. Right, Fred? I mean, it has electricity at night or, or, or air conditioned. Cl in, climate in control. Climate, well. climate control. Even a, even yeah. a dog mode for, for, for a do <laughs> Even a dog mode. But, you know, that's all for when that thing is in park. Right. Okay. It has to be in park. You know, the games, all that stuff, the playing around with the, well, you know, it's, it's nothing new. I mean, we, we've been able to bring our laptops into our cars, right? And, and the only convenient piece is that, you know, we, we needed one of those converters to be able to go from, you know, from the 12 volt power to whatever the heck we need for for our laptop to charge it i mean <laughs> we were there right fred we were running you we were there with Zoom. that toshiba we libretto on the dashboard uh, the, how many years the, ago alan the libretto on the dashboard 25 25 1997 fred <laughs> maybe even 96 all right you know so we've been there we can do that. Now, the convenient thing is, is that you have this whole, your your whole floor of your car is now your battery pack. Okay, forget about going 300 miles, man. We can watch, you know, H, uh, 4K TV, but da do and so on and so forth while we're parked. So it's wonderful. Okay, but not when you're driving. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. Don't right. think about it. Well, we want to thank our guest, Jonathan Vitale from GM Super Cruise. 
Thank you also to CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, for helping to make this podcast possible. CARTS is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high-quality mobility for all. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Amazon, Apple, Google, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can get smart speakers to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching and please stay safe. Thank you.